Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Hattrick episode of Empty Betters, presented by, you guessed it, nobody. Although I feel like White Claw or Coors Light should really reach out to us by this point. It really should be Coors Light at this point. They're essentially fueling this podcast. <laughs> Literally. Uh, today is Tuesday, September 17th, and Mitch Marner is the richest man alive. That guy got paid. And I just want to say to everyone listening out there and hockey fans you know, across the internet, congratulations. You have now made it through two summers of Leafs free agency oh, bullshit. Jesus. You guys should be very proud of yourselves, and that's all we have to say about this. Let's just keep moving forward. <laughs> until next summer when until, Morgan Riley's up. Until next summer. So, a lot of news around the league. A lot of shit went down since the last time we recorded, so let's catch up. First off, Jared Spurgeon, $7.6 million a year. Nick, do you have the term on that? That is a seven-year deal. So, I'm somewhat of a math guy. 7.6 is a little above 7, but let's call it 7 for simplicity's sake. That's $49 million over seven years. Holy shit. Yeah, that's another long-term contract for the Wild, but I think top to bottom, Spurgeon's probably their best player. So I think Bill Guerin took a look down of, at his roster and said, yeah, I got to do something about this before we completely fall off the face of the earth. 100%. Shout out to Bill Guerin for his first big signing as the GM of the Minnesota Wild. Uh, not much more to say on that, honestly. They signed their best player to a big ticket. Good for them. No, not really. Uh, moving right on with another defenseman, Charlie McAvoy signed a three-year contract with the Boston Bruins with an AAV of $4.9 million. What a fucking bargain. bargain. Give him all the clam chowder that you got in right. that city. Holy shit. Uh, this kind of ties into another league update that uh, pertains to a three-year term. The NHL CBA has announced that they will not renegotiate the contract that they have with the NHL until 2022. To put it in English, we will not have a lockout next season like a lot of people were fearing. Uh, this guarantees that there will be no lockout in the NHL until September of 2022. And I got to believe that McAvoy knew about this t signing this contract. Yeah, I would like to think that he did. But obviously the good news at the end of this is the fact that we're going to have a full season this season and next season, and hopefully we don't have another lockout for a very, 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 very long time. Yeah, one can really hope so. And, uh, you know, I got to figure McAvoy signs a three-year deal. He's on a complete steal, arguably the biggest steal of the offseason. Um, but, man, after three years, he is going to make so much fucking money. I would not be surprised if he's the highest-paid defenseman in the league after this bridge deals up. Hot take. I like that. Yeah. Um, moving on down the list, Zach Rowenski signed a three-year, $15 million deal. Good job, Torts. Yeah, great job, Torts. He <laughs> scared the shit out of the kid and basically <laughs> made him put the pen to the paper. And Ivan Provorov signed a six-year, $6.7 AAV million deal. Uh, yeah, some more deals for you guys. Josh Morrissey, 6.25 mil for eight years. Winnipeg re-inks their best defenseman, in my opinion. Speaking of Winnipeg defenseman, Nick, do you want to touch on the Dustin Bufflin situation? Yeah, so Dustin Bufflin was essentially granted a leave of absence from the team. Uh, there is no timetable for his return. We are assuming that this is a personal matter. I don't know whether it pertains to family or you know what have you, whether it's him. There's really no answer out there, uh, which, you know, obviously we should respect the guy's privacy. And the league is obviously better when Buff's in it, so we hope everything is okay and we see him again sometime soon. Yep. Uh, Carolina Hurricanes, Jake Gardner, 
4.05 mil per year for four years. Toronto gets rid of their whipping boy and sends him down to Carolina. What are your thoughts? That's a good move for Carolina. I mean, any sort of, you know, defensive depth they can get, they should be taking at this point. I don't think this is a huge loss for Toronto, except for, like you said, the fact that the fans lost their whipping boy. Yeah. I mean, Gardner had it rough in Toronto uh, when his play was dodgy at best. Those fans were, you know, on him like white on rice. So it's really, you know, it's good that he'll get a good, you know, fresh start down in Carolina. Absolutely. I think he'll be good for them. Uh, rumor has it that they're going to be getting rid of Justin Falk, so this could be a nice little... Not replacement, but something to at least fill the gap so he can play with Slavin or whoever they may choose down there. Definitely. Uh, Travis Konechny of the Philadelphia Flyers. He just signed a new contract today. Hang on one second. I'm pulling up the terms. Six years, 5.5 AAV. That's a pretty good contract in my opinion. He's a scrappy bastard. He had, I believe... Uh, don't quote me on this. Hang on, guys. Sorry. We're re-recording this because we fucked up the first time. This is a great signing for Philly. Uh, you know, he's sort of that, you know, rough around the edges, you know, forward that can also score a lot. 24 goals, 49 points in all 82 games last season. That's a great deal, especially since you know you're going to have a guy who's playing the entire season. And for six years to keep him, I mean, if he only gets better from here on out to keep him at six, that's that's a good contract. Solid signing. Uh, next up, Logan Couture has now been named the newest San Jose Sharks captain. They have four alternate captains. Joe Thornton, Brent Burns, Eric Carlson, and Tomas Hurdle. Those four will be rotating the A on the sweater uh, over the course of the season. And speaking of captains, the Toronto Maple Leafs have announced that they will have a captain, but they have not announced who yet. And if I had to guess, it is the man on the cover of NHL 20. Absolutely. It, we would be shocked if it was anyone but Austin Matthews. Fuck you, Johnny T, and your but, stupid pajamas. <laughs> I can't wait until an American stud is the captain of... The mecca of Canadian hockey. The mecca of, you know, it's essentially Canada's team right now. Yeah. And I just want to hold that over them. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, Babcock made a reference today that he wants to have a captain who is going to lead by example and let his play talk. And I shit you not, within 20 minutes, Matthews had a press conference and he basically told the reporter, I'm going to let my play speak for itself this season. So read into that as much as you want. I'm going to choose to read into it a lot, and I think he's going to be the next captain. Yeah, the sooner they announce that, the better, because obviously, you know, the less, the less Leafs bullshit talk we have to hear about, the <laughs> better. I mean, if I hear one more interview where they're asking him, like, oh, do you think you're going to be captain? And he's like, I, I have no idea. What do, you, <laughs> what do you want me to say? Yeah, really. Um, so I'm done with that. Uh other news around the league, the biggest news pertaining to me in my personal life is the fact that uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov has been suspended three games for essentially violating the NHL. Essentially snorting cocaine. Yeah, that. Um, <laughs> if you're unfamiliar with the situation, there was a video that surfaced about a month after the Caps won the Stanley Cup of Kuznetsov in a hotel room in Las Vegas with some white powder on the table next to him. How are you? You know, everything was fine. He said he was going to take a drug test. It basically went away. Uh, about a month ago, the IIHF, which runs, like, you know, international hockey, so, like, the world championships, stuff like that, they suspended him for four years from international play oh for the Russians because in the minds of the IIHF, 
cocaine is a performance enhancing drug and not a substance abuse like it is in the NHL. So the NHL doesn't view cocaine as a PED and essentially they deemed three games was enough to suspend him and that's what he got and he's just taking it. What a league. What a league. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Do you know how many football players have gotten like kicked out of the league or banned just for cocaine use and yeah. the NHL's like, meh. Three games. I think the NHL kind of, I mean, just based on how we've heard stories of guys in the 80s, I think they basically just had to take it off the PED list because <laughs> they would have no one playing. That's a whole different discussion as to whether it should be a PED or banned substance. We're not going to bore you guys with that. You can go listen or research whatever you want to figure that out. Everyone's going to have their own opinion. Uh, so we'll move on from that, although I am extremely happy that Capitals fans have something to worry about. So you know, yeah, It's three games. Fuck you guys. Not uh, Braden Point, still not signed by the Tampa Bay Lightning. Neither is Matthew Kachuk from the Flames. Uh, they got to be signing soon. I read on Twitter from Pierre Lebrun that it is believed that the final offer that the Lightning will be giving Braden Point is three years at 5.7 AAV. I don't think that's getting close to where they want to be. But No, I feel like the people in points camp are sort of expecting like a six, maybe towards a seven, which yes, I don't know how I feel about that. If I was him, he basically has a great shot at a ring this year and next year, so you might as well just take the bridge deal. I would agree with that, but... I don't know. Young kids are greedy bastards. Exactly. Days, so. so who knows what's going on in his head, but as of right now, it doesn't look like there's going to be a decision in the near future. Yeah, I mean, worse comes to worse, he goes somewhere else, and their Stanley Cup odds go from 1 to 1 to 2 to 1. So <laughs> exactly. Whatever. Uh, and lastly, holy shit, Adidas. Good fucking job. You are killing it with the jersey game. The Oilers, the Jets, the Flames— the Canucks, the Hurricanes, I'm probably missing a couple others. The Blues. The Blues. Oh, I can't believe I forgot that. Uh, they all have new alternates, whether it's for the Heritage Classic or it's just a generic alternate in general. Adidas has been absolutely rolling out some flames with the tarps lately. Nick, what's your favorite? So my favorite would be, speaking of flames, it would be the Calgary Flames. Their sweater for their Heritage Classic, it goes back to that sort of old look from like the 80s, and it's just, it's so pretty. Uh, I really might have to get myself one of those. You could get a Matthew Kachuk one if he signs. I could. What about you? What uh, what new sweater is sort of your favorite? I absolutely am in love with the black Vancouver Canucks alternate. It's amazing. For those who haven't seen it, it don't worry. It is not the really ugly V-shaped one like in Shell. It has this the skate logo on it that says Canucks. It is beautiful. It's gorgeous. Elias Pettersson is going to be looking fantastic in that this season. I might actually have to pick one up. I would like like a Brock Besser one, but he's still not signed. Data. So, fuck me. Uh, but that's enough about catching up. Uh, we just wanted to fill you guys in with what's gone on over the course of the last week. Let's get into the meat of the episode, the Atlantic Division. So here are the odds for the Atlantic Division for the upcoming season per VegasInsider.com. No surprise here, the Tampa Bay Lightning are an 11-10 to 10 to win this division, Jesus. which they're going to. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs are a three to one to win the division. The Boston Bruins are a seven to two. The Florida Panthers are a seven to one. The Montreal Canadiens are a sixty to one. The Buffalo Sabres are an eighty to one. The Detroit Red Wings are a three hundred to one, and the Ottawa Senators are a five hundred to one to win this division this year. 
Jesus Christ. They're bad. Oh, my God. Um, so let's just go alphabetically again. Uh, let's start with the Boston Bruins. They finished second in this division last year, 7-2, to two, as I just mentioned, to win it to this year. 49 wins, 24 losses, 9 overtime losses, and 107 points. Uh, you know, they basically did all one could hope for last year, except for come home with the big piece of silver. Yeah, you know, you lose a game seven. It's If you go to game seven, stand like a finals, it's honestly a coin toss at that point. Anything can happen in one game, so... You can't really hold that against them too hard. Uh, offseason additions, Brett Ritchie. Offseason losses, Marcus Johansson. Uh, so virtually the same team coming back. They're probably going to be a playoff team again. They're probably going to be due for another big run, assuming they don't have a, I don't want to say hangover because they didn't win, but that's a lot of hockey and miles to put on someone's body. For me, getting McAvoy on the bargain deal is huge. Uh how much longer can Chara go is really my question. He's their heartbeat right now. Who knows? I mean, their core is aging fast. Uh, you know, their window to push is now. Uh, my thing is, can Jake DeBrusque continue to score the way he is? Last season, he had 29 goals in 68 games. If he continues to sort of have this uptick in his offense, this team is going to be very, very lethal come the postseason. Yeah, I think if he can take the next step and get into that consistent 30-goal, 30 35-goal score, I mean, that's going to just help their top six be even better than it already is. Uh, not really sure what's going to happen with David Backus. I'm curious to see how this situation plays out. He was a healthy scratch for a majority of their playoff games when it came down to the end of their playoff run. Wouldn't be surprised if maybe you see a buyout or if they try to shed some salary and someone picks him up. He's kind of lost a step as the league has gotten faster and he's not really notorious for his foot speed. But I think he can be a great net front presence for somebody out there. Could be on a first power play screen in front of the goalie. Good leadership. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, definitely. You know, whether that's like a cup contender who's just looking for another piece in the locker room or if it's a team that's just rebuilding and is looking for pretty much the same thing and a guy who's just been around for a while who can teach their youngsters, you know, a thing or two about playing in the league. I think you can look for him to be in another sweater this season. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, for me... This team obviously has Marchand, fuck him, uh, Bergeron, Mr. Perfect, and David Pasternak, the poor man's tape job. But other than those three, what really is going to push this team over the limit is Tory Krug and Brandon Carlo as the second pair. That is a filthy second pairing. They could be a first pairing on, honestly, most teams. And to highlight their bottom six, they've got Wagner, Nordstrom, and Coyle. Those three kind of fuel the bottom six, in my opinion. Should they have big seasons and, more importantly, big postseasons, I think Boston can get back to where they were this past season. Coyle was a hell of a pickup for the Donato trade. Uh, Nordstrom had a really strong season in the good playoffs. Wagner's a scrappy son of a bitch who will take you in the corners and is a great penalty killer who can, have, who can score. Uh, that's the X factor to me. You know that top line is going to produce. Definitely. And I think, you know, you touched on their defense a little bit. Their defense is only going to get better. Uh, my prospect to watch for this team is Erho Vakaninen. Uh, Say that one more time, please. Erho Vakaninen. One more time, please. Erho Vakaninen. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, I don't know what that name would count for in Scrabble. I would assume it would be quite a lot. Um, he was taken 18th overall in 2017. He helped Finland win the 2019 World Juniors. Uh, and essentially right now the Bruins just want him to develop his offensive game, so I would look for him probably to be down in the A this season. 
Sounds good. Who is, I'm not good at the alphabet. Who's next? Up next, we have the Buffalo Sabres. So uh, they finished sixth in this division last year. They're 80 to 1 odds to win it this year. 33 wins, 39 losses, 10 overtime losses, 76 points. And for a while, this was the hottest team in the league last year. And in fact, I would make the argument that for the first half of the season last year, this was the hottest team in the league. I think they were ahead of Tampa come like the middle of November. They, they were. were. They were definitely atop rolling. the charts at one point. Uh, they brought in Ralph Kruger to replace Phil Housley, obviously after the wheels fell off the wagon last year. And I think he brings an interesting sort of coaching style to the game, and it's good to have him back in the league. Yeah, so to touch on what Nick just said, Ralph Kruger is not really known as a screamer or a yeller, similar to our boy, boy Torts. Uh, he is more of a cerebral type of coach. He thinks about a lot of things. He's methodical. He's an X's and O's guy. He's a player's coach. He's going to let the boys wheel and deal the way they want. Curious to see how this works, considering this is Jack Eichel's third coach in his very, very short career. True. Hoping that he's not getting the title of a coach killer. Uh, but other than Ralph Kruger, they added Marcus Johansson, Colin Miller, and Jimmy VC. I am really, really curious to see how VC plays on the Sabres team with his boy Jack. Yeah, I think this is one of those things where those guys were brought in for reasons, and those reasons were to contribute. I think the one of the main reasons why the Sabres kind of fell off last year was their depth. You know, Skinner was on a tear last year, but he did get a little bit banged up at some point, and you can't rely on one or two guys to basically just carry you throughout the playoffs or the you know remainder of the season. Or even the season in that yeah, case. Exactly. This team is going to look for its youngsters to contribute a lot this year. Tage Thompson is 21, Casey Middlestad is 20, and Rasmus Dahlin, their first overall pick, is 19. Those guys, you know, you're playing on the big club. you got to you know pitch in. you got to help out. And so I would look for those guys to try and take a big step forward this year. Absolutely. I mean, you look at the first line, they've got Eichel and Skinner and whoever they fill in on the right wing. They're going to get theirs. Eichel, if he stays healthy, will be an 80-point guy. Skinner will probably be a 35 to 45 goal guy again. Uh, what really is the X factor for me is the second line. Right now it is projected to be Connor Sheary, Casey Middlestadt, and Sam Reinhart. Middlestadt and Reinhardt are very, very uh, hyped-up players when they came into the league. They're still hyped-up players, and people are giving them a little more leeway than I think if they would get if they were playing in a major, major market like Toronto or Montreal. Uh, they got to have good years. That's honest to God the X factor here. Middlestadt is very capable of being a 60-point player this year and probably even better than that down the road in his career. For sure. Reinhardt's been around a little bit longer, too, and for whatever reason, it just hasn't panned out so far. So I think this, I mean, do you want to call this a make-or-break season for him? Uh, I think you can at this point. It's hard to say because, you know, you get a new coach. If he, you know, you only give him one year, is that considered a break? Maybe. But with the roster they have and how long they've had it, yeah, I would consider it a make-or-break. Their third line is actually pretty decent. Right now they have it projected as VC Rodriguez and Johansson. So not exactly a third line that's like, you know, to be fucked around with. I mean, they can, Definitely not. They can put up some points. If VC lives up to his hype, For sure. he could be a 20-goal guy. Johansson's a great playmaker. Rodriguez is scrappy and a good face-off guy. Uh, I actually like their third line. But as we both know, the downfall of this team is their goaltending. They're, uh, 
so their goaltending has been an issue since Ryan Miller left. Yes. Uh, essentially, Carter, Carter Hutton was third in the NHL with 12 wins at the end of November last year, and he had six wins over the rest of the season. That's that's just terrible. That, you ever that, heard of Linus Olmark? Yeah, that that can't happen. So, <laughs> you know, who knows what's going to go on with their goalie situation this year? If they go for a fifty-fifty split, or if they just sort of, you know, try and ride Hutton as the number one and, you know, balance his, you know, game load. Who knows? But it's got to get better, and that's there's no way around that. Yeah, to be honest, I'm very hesitant on this team strictly because of the goaltending. Like Nick said, Hutton will probably get the start. Linus Olmark will be the backup, although they think somewhat highly of him he's a little he's a minor prospect coming up um curious to see how he fares in the absolutely loaded atlantic division i do like their back end however i think darlene is good ristolining gets ridiculed a little bit every now and then for his slow feet and puck management skills but jake mccabe jake mccabe excuse me and brandon montador not not a bad you know second pairing it's okay i think darlene will take the next step uh, if you're a FanDuel or fantasy hockey player, I think he is a great bang for your buck. He is probably going to be slept on a lot just because the Sabres aren't going to be projected to be that good this year. But I think he's going to get a lot of power play points. A lot of power play time. He's going to be point. He's going to be the point guy on that number one unit. So definitely look for him to put up close to 50 points this year. I would say. Yeah, uh, my bottom line for this team is can they make the playoffs? Who knows? Like we said before, it pretty much just comes down to goaltending with these guys. And my prospect to watch for them is Dylan Cousins, seventh overall pick in this past draft. He is going to miss training camp because of a thumb injury, but this is an extremely versatile player. He can play wing, he can play center, uh, you name it, and he will probably go back to junior this year once he's healthy. Yeah, I would say they're not a playoff team as much as I want them to be. I'm rooting for Jack Eichel. I want to see him in the playoffs, but I just don't think it's happening this year. It's it's getting there. It's not going to happen yet. Yep. Um, up next, we have the Detroit Red Wings. They were seventh last year in this division. They are 300 to 1 odds to win it this year. Yeah, that's worth it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 32 wins, 40 losses, 10 overtime losses, 74 points. And this is going to be another tough year for the Wings. So they had their, you know, 25 years of dominance and now it's, you know. What, was Ken Holland the GM there for how long? Since, like, 1977 or some shit? He was the GM from 1997 until 2019. Oh, 1997, my bad. And now they have Stevie Y back in Hockey Town as the GM. Which is a good bright spot for them, right? They're, gonna, they're a rebuilding team. He's obviously has a good track record in Tampa. He can somehow crunch guys to get on good contracts, even though there's no state tax down there. Uh, lawyer mode on you and I mean basically the bright spots here are Larkin Manta and Athanasiu those are their three young guns that they're going to look to get a little more out of this year I think Larkin's the most proven out of the three definitely and I, and the I, most consistent out of those three for sure yeah I'd say I'd say he can reach 70 points I, I would, think so for I sure. would say talent wise he's definitely a 70 point player but because he's playing on the wings maybe he's a 60 guy yeah if you dropped him somewhere else you might see him get like 70 75 but I think right now you know that's a safer bet uh, Tyler Bertuzzi is another little scrappy guy to look out for he's he's got good hands good skill got a little grit to his game uh, Anthony Mantha Big body. He's Good been, size. Yeah, he's been kind of ripped on a little bit since he hasn't lived up to the hype that Larkin has. Yeah, he was huge, uh, you know, or his reputation was huge when he was coming out of the queue. I don't think he's transferred as well to the NHL as he did in junior, but I think 
at the end of last year, he was really starting to find this game, and I would look for more of the same this year. Yeah, he's got a six shot, good hands. Not the fastest guy around, but, you know, his size makes up for it. But bottom line is I don't really think the Wings have much to look forward to. No, they, they had some injury problems last year. Uh, Trevor Daly, Danny DeKaiser, Mike Green, and Jonathan Erickson all missed considerable time with injuries. And, yeah, if you're counting, that is four defensemen. That's so their top four, basically. Yeah, four out of six. <laughs> that's not going to end very well. Uh, the goaltending did get a little bit better last year. It had been an issue in the past for the Wings. They were going back and forth between Howard and Morazic. Morazic left for Carolina. Howard had his most wins since 2014. He had 23 wins last year. So, That's crazy. Yeah, he looked a lot better, and hopefully he can continue more of the same this season. My prospect to watch for them, who you will definitely see this year, is Philip Zadina out of Halifax. Uh Unreal one-timer, six overall in the 2018 draft, skilled shooter, high goal-scoring potential, and that's essentially what the Wings need him to do this year. Yep, so not really much to touch on with the Red Wings. I think it's going to be pretty similar to last year. Uh, there is a bright spot with Stevie Y, but they're still rebuilding, and in this division with the big four that are locked and loaded for a playoff run, I don't think they stand much of a chance this year. No, I don't either. Uh, up next, we have the Florida Panthers, and I think we were talking about this before. This is the team that we feel, you know, shook it up the most this offseason and is in one of the best situations going forward. They're ready. They're ready. They were fifth in this division last year. You can expect that to change. 7-1 to odds to win it this year, 36 wins, 32 losses, 14 overtime losses, and 86 points. Their biggest, in my opinion, their biggest acquisition of the offseason wasn't the goalie that they brought in. It was the coach in Joel Quenville. Yeah, I think you, Coach Q, Joel Quenville, for those who aren't hockey fans, uh, I think Q is going to completely change the culture there. Uh, he's got a goalie now, Sergei Bobrovsky. They brought in Anton Strawman. They brought in Brett Connolly. Fuck you, Capitals fans. <laughs> uh, their losses were the two goalies that they had last year. Uh, Roberto Luongo and James Reimer. My question is, how deep can Bob take them in the offs? Because you know, or at least I know, they're going to be in the playoffs. But I, rushing goalies, man, you can't trust them in the playoffs. Yeah, you know, Bob has shown instances like when he was in Columbus where he can win playoff games, but he's also shown instances like when he was in Philadelphia where he will just give away playoff games. So... This is, you know, that's a big question mark. Uh, they need to get better with the puck in terms of possession. They had the most giveaways in the NHL last year, so obviously if you're turning the puck over a lot, not only are you going to drive Coach Q absolutely banana lands, but you're probably going to lose some hockey games. Most definitely. Uh, for me, the, there's two X factors on this team. Uh, their second line, Vinny Trocek, Mike Hoffman, and Owen Tippett. Trocek and Hoffman are sharpshooters. Tippett's kind of a filling guy. I'm really curious to see what those three can do. That's at least their projected second line. That could obviously change. Uh, but, man, if Trocek and Hoffman can do what they've done in the past, they're both 30-goal scorers, that's going to be a great second line. The other X factor is their defense. I think their defense is actually very underrated. Keith Yandel is sneaky you could honestly argue he's a top five defenseman in the league. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe not top five, but he's in that six to seven range. I mean, he's just year after year. He's so consistent. Yeah. He's so consistent. He's always going to get, you know, 50, 40 points, somewhere around there. He's going to man your number one power play. 
Aaron Eckblad, former number one overall pick, who might have not lived up to the number one title hype so far in his career, but I think he's still got a lot of improvement to make, and I think he won't take those strides this season under Q. Anton Strawman and Mike Matheson fill in the top four. Strawman's got a great stick. He's a veteran. He's got a lot of playoff experience. Mike Matheson, pretty sure he's the guy who completely suplexed Elias Pettersson in the yep, ice. Yeah, I, I think he's like, you know, part of that kid's face is still on the ice there. <laughs> yeah, so I. That's I a like... solid decor. I like that a lot. Uh, my bottom line is this is essentially a playoff team, in my opinion. Uh, my prospect to watch, you touched on a little bit, Owen Tippett. He was taken 10th overall in 2017. He's played seven NHL games. Uh, so far, and he's looking to basically make the team out of camp and stay with the team for the full 82 this season. Yeah, the uh, website I'm on had him projected on the second line. That's obviously subject to change. Uh, they have Barkov, the greatest, most underrated player somehow of all time. It's not. Nick Backstrom is. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's going to be a very rich man next summer, but that's yes. a different conversation for next episode. Uh, Jonathan Huberdeau, 92 points last season, huge breakout year. If he can do that again, they're going to be fine. I think they're a playoff team. I mean, I, I think they're going to come in second in the division. However, the 7-1 to one odds, that is the odds that I like the best out of anyone in this division. Uh, maybe Tampa just takes a cakewalk this year and doesn't give a fuck during the regular season. You maybe a couple of their guys get hurt. Who knows? Yeah. 82 games. It's a long time. But I also heard a great comparison on NHL Network the other day that I really like. So Quenville's coming to the Panthers, and everyone's saying, oh, he doesn't have the top-end talent that he did in Chicago with Kane and Taves and all that. If you really think about it, he has all of the same pieces. He has Jonathan Taves and Alexander Barkov. He has Patrick Kane and Jonathan Huberdeau. He has Brent Seabrook and Aaron Ekblad. He has Duncan Keith in Keith Yandel, and he has an upgraded version of Corey Crawford and Sergei Bobrovsky. I think he has all the tools to make a big run at the Cup this year. I think they're going to be a really good team this year, and finally South Florida is going to have something to cheer for and finally fill the stands, I hope. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be great if the inter-Florida rivalry was actually a rivalry, and I think we're kind of trending towards this. Obviously. I hope we get there, yeah. Yeah, obviously Tampa's the super team, but there's a ton of people that moved to Florida from the Northeast. I'm looking at you, Massachusetts and New York, that really <laughs> care about their hockey. So, you know, you know they're going to have good fan bases, and I think the sky's the limit as far as that rivalry. I love that comparison of – Coach Q to the dynasty he built in Chicago, and that's essentially what he did. So it'd be interesting to see if he can do that all over again with the Panthers. Uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing them in the playoffs again. Yeah, and uh, one last quick note. Evgeny Dadanoff expected to be the fill-in winger on the top line with Huberto and Barkov. Pick him up in fantasy. Pick him up in FanDuel. He will be a very cheap commodity to have. And he's going to get a lot of secondary assists playing on that line. So definitely scoop him up if you are into the fantasy hockey game. Definitely. And moving right along down the list, up next we have Les Canadiens de Montreal. Uh, and if you can't de decipher my terrible French, that's the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> uh, fourth overall in this division last year. 60-1 to 1 odds to win it this year. 44 wins, 30 losses, 8 overtime losses, and 96 points. It's crazy they had 96 points and didn't make the playoffs, but that's how the East works. So in the offseason, they added Nick Cousins, scrappy third liner, Ben Sherritt, defenseman, deaf defenseman, and Keith Kincaid to back up the Rocket himself, Carey Price. 
their losses in the offseason. Andrew Shaw, ouch, I don't like that one. Antini Emi, Jordy Ben, and Nick DeLaurier. Uh, thing that stands out to me is they had the 30th ranked power play in the league last year. Yeah, this power play's got to get a lot better. Uh, obviously, losing Pacioretty, you know, that's going to take a chunk out of your power play points. Gallagher, Domi, Tatar, they all had steps forward last year. Uh, they need to basically prove this season that those weren't flukes and that they can either continue that or take another step forward. And Jonathan Drouin, he's got to. It's be he's just got to be better. There's no other way. There's no nice way of saying it. This you know third overall pick in McKinnon's draft. They played on the same team together in Halifax. That team lost one game in the playoffs Jesus. when they won the Memorial Cup. I mean, it's ridiculous how talented this kid is. How fun would it be if he went to Colorado, though? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, that would just be so cool if they got to reunite him and McKinnon. They would absolutely tear it up. It's like, okay, we're going to put these two on the top line. All right, who else do you want? No, that's okay. Well, just these two. We're good. <laughs> Literally. Uh, yeah, he played in 81 games last season and only had 18 goals. For the amount of hype he had coming into the league and the amount of talent he has – that's just not good enough. He's got to be getting at least 35 goals. Definitely. And to help with scoring, the one bright spot that this team did have last year was in the final game of their season, American Ryan Paling made his NHL debut. American. American That's how he said that. Ryan Paling. Um, and, you know, one goal short of Austin Matthews in his debut. The kid scored a hat trick and the shootout winner. So, obviously, they're going to look for him to add some scoring depth this season. Yeah, the thing that stands out to me with this team is their center depth just isn't there. They got Philip Deneau centering the first line, Max Domi centering the second line, and fuck. Jespy Kakenemainen as the third. <laughs> se- Can you help me with that one? It's uh, Jesperi Kakeniemi. So in Miami. Y- yeah, young player, but he needs to just get a little bit. You know, he needs to get his feet under him a little bit more. Immensely talented, as we saw last season. But he could be a first-line center one he day. He could one day. He might have to do it this year. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, as far as defense goes, they got Shea Weber back there. I can't believe their power play was 30th in the league with him and his one-timer from the point. Uh, Victor Mete, keep an eye on this kid. Smooth as, skater. Yeah, real smooth skater. He would be a good fantasy pickup on some nights. Um Expect him to have a decent year. I think he could be a 35, 40-point kid. Um, yeah, I just don't see them making the playoffs. I don't think they're deep enough. Yeah, my bottom line with this team is they didn't really have any major changes in the offseason, which is, you know, it's fine. A lot of teams pull that. Their division got a lot better around them, and they were a bubble team last year. I don't expect them to make the playoffs this year. I think they're going to have a little bit of a fall-off compared to the other teams in the Atlantic. Yeah, I would agree. And it kind of sucks because, you know, Canadian fans are crazy and it's a huge market. And yeah, the Bell Center in the playoffs, I mean, that's just... That's what you want. Exactly. Uh, but without going any more in-depth on the Montreal de Canadiens, who do we have next? So up next, yeah, oh, this is going to be a doozy. Uh, if you're from Ottawa, I would just turn this off right now because this is not going to be pretty. <laughs> if you're uh, from Ottawa, I fucking love you because yeah. there's no way there's anyone from Ottawa. No. Uh, the Ottawa Senators, eighth in this division last year, last in the entire NHL, 500 to 1 odds just to win this division last this year. Last year they had 29 wins, 47 losses, six overtime losses, and just 64 points. They're essentially just in complete rebuild mode. Uh, last year was about as bad as it can get, and 
they're just going to look to develop their young players this year. Anytime you have to pick up Anthony Duclair to be on your top six, you know you're really fucking hurting. <laughs> how old is that kid, and how many teams has he played on already? I think he's, what, four or five seasons? I think he's been on four teams? Rangers, Senators, Coyotes. Blackhawks, Coyotes, Blue Jackets. Uh, oh, my God. That's five. That's real bad. Um, so, like I said, they're essentially looking for their younger players to establish their games. Thomas Shabbat, sick defenseman. Sick. Pick him uh, up on fantasy. Pick him up on fantasy. Brady Kachuk, Colin White, Alex Formanton. Those kids are going to look to develop their scoring game and be a little bit more defensively responsible. Their big blue chip stock of a prospect is Eric Brandstrom. He was the big return in the Mark Stone trade. He's been compared to Eric Carlson by some people. He and can skate like the wind. Skate man. like the wind. This is a potential down-the-road Norris Trophy winning, puck-moving offensive defenseman. Yeah, he can be a franchise cornerstone for them, and that's what they got to look for, honestly, is, you know, in times like these, you just hope Kachuk puts, you know, consistent progressive numbers up. Maybe he gets 25 or 30 this year. I don't know. It depends who his line mates are, but between Kachuk, Shabbat, Bjornstrom, uh, I mean, those are three really good prospects. Yeah, they brought in Zaitsev on defense, and they also brought in Ron Hainsey on defense, and I would look for the sort of the young defensemen to be paired with them, if not at least working with those guys in camp and in practice just to sort of develop their games a little bit. Yeah, so in conclusion, if you want to put money on the Senators coming in last, then you might not be uh, totally off, but 500 to 1, is that what it was? 500 to 1. God bless your soul. Yeah, not going to happen. Um, so my bottom line for them is just bad. It's just bad. Yeah, sure. Yeah. To go from worst to first, we now have the Tampa Bay Lightning. So, yeah, Uh, you know, you're probably sick of hearing about these guys, too. Would you rather hear about how good the Lightning are or how much free agency drama the Leafs have? Can I just kill myself instead? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, obviously, Tampa, you know, had a record-setting year last year, arguably one of the greatest hockey teams ever put together. They they were the greatest hockey team. 62 wins, 16 losses, four overtime losses, and 128 points. Jesus. Yeah. To only lose 20 games in an NHL season is absurd. Let alone the arrow we're in where everybody's so good. When everyone's That's so why good. I think that I truly believe last year they were the greatest team ever assembled just because of how much parity is in the league now versus what existed when the Red Wings were absolutely dominating kids. Yeah. Um, offseason additions feature Pat Maroon, Kevin Shattenkirk, and Luke Shen. Unfortunately, Kevin Shattenkirk will probably be on the third or second pairing probably be on the second power play unit and probably put up between I'd say 40 to 45 points maybe maybe high 30s he's a steal for them they got him on a bargain contract I know people say he's done he's not good blah 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 it pissed me the fuck off but I I think they're really deep on defense that he'll end up putting up numbers just because he won't have to be relied upon as much as when he was on the Rangers I like the Pat Maroon signing, a lot of playoff experience, Stanley Cup, knows what it takes, put him on the fourth line, bam, you automatically got a veteran fourth line in the playoffs. Park that guy in front of the net on the power play and yeah. just shoot around him. Yeah, put him, him on the PP2 unit or something, you know. Uh, offseason losses are the entire New York Ranger franchise, as I like to call them. Uh, Anton Strawman, Ryan Callahan, Dan Girardi, literally the New York Rangers, uh, Adam Ernie and Steve Eiserman left, as we mentioned earlier, for the Detroit Red Wings. Big thing that stands out to me, 
Braden Point is still a restricted free agent. Yeah, so if Point doesn't sign, obviously that's a huge loss for them. I mean, this is a team that's in a position where, you know, if let's say Point sits out and doesn't play and then wants to come back, you know, midseason or do the two-month thing like Will Nylander did, it's not going to hurt them all that much. Obviously, he's a vital role player for this team, but they're so loaded that I think it's not going to cost them a playoff opportunity by any means. Yeah, it'll just take their Stanley Cup odds from 1-1 to one to 2-1. to one, so. Exactly. Uh, my prospect to watch for these guys is Callan Foote, defenseman taken 14th overall in 2017. He's got great size, 6'4", 220, really high skill set and a really high hockey IQ. I would expect to see him next season. So for me, the X factor is their third line, right? So just going off what DailyFaceoff.com is projecting their lineups to be, obviously the first line – Palat, Stamkos, Kucherov, that is going to absolutely That's dirty. light it up. Second line is projected to be Yanni Gord, Braden Point, assuming he signs, and Tyler Johnson, again, will absolutely light it up. This third line, however, this is what's going to be the make or break in the playoffs for me. Alex Kalorn, Anthony Shirelli, and Matthew Joseph. Matthew Joseph is a name that not a lot of people know. But from what I saw from him in the regular season in the playoffs, he's a speedy, scrappy son of a bitch. Yeah, he doesn't mind going into the corner, doesn't mind dangling with the puck. I mean, And he scores all of his goals right in the crease. He is a pest. I like him a lot. Cologne, we all know he's an agitator, but he's got a lot of skill too. Anthony Shirelli, another little honey badger. Uh, this is where they make or break it. I mean, I think the depth is really what has to come through because we've seen time and time again – Stamkos and Kucherov cannot just carry the team by themselves. Definitely not. I mean, we saw that firsthand in the playoff collapse that was last year. You know, this team on paper, still locked and loaded. They're stacked. They're still locked and loaded to be the best team in the league this year. You know, if you were giving away Stanley Cups based on how good teams looked on paper, you'd probably give it to these guys. Yeah, and they've got the best defenseman in the league, in my opinion, and Victor Hedman. They've still got Ryan McDonough, who honestly could probably win a fucking Norris Trophy on, as a second-pairing defenseman. Uh, still got Mikhail Sergachev, Braden Coburn. You know, as I mentioned, Shattenkirk. They are going to be just fine on the defensive end. However, I am not sold on Andre Vasilevsky. No, and you know, this is still a developing goalie. Obviously, he's getting paid like someone who's won six Vesna trophies and four cups. It's actually crazy that we both think that he's still developing and he just won the Vesna trophy this past season. Exactly. <laughs> so he's obviously got some question marks in his game after I would say the last two seasons. I know, you know, he got Tampa to the conference finals against my Caps two years ago, but there were games there where he didn't look great. That was an amazing series, but there were games there where he really did not look great. No, I just don't trust Russian goalies in the playoffs, period. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. If we're being honest, the last Russian goalie to win a Stanley Cup, I'm going strictly off memory here, is Nikolai Javi Bulin, ironically for the Tampa Bay Lightning, in 2004, the year before the 05 lockout. The Bulin wall. So it's been a little bit since that's happened, and it's just a trend I've noticed. I, don't, I just don't trust him in the playoffs. They're fine during the regular season. He can get 60 fucking wins. I don't care. Uh, when it comes crunch time, I he's not the first guy I would pick. Yeah, I think they, you know, one thing you might see from Tampa this year is sort of share the load a little bit. You know, him and whoever's backing him up, you know, split it a little bit. That way he doesn't 
Wear out. Yeah, wear out. For Tampa this year, I mean, they're probably going to win the division, right? But like I said with the Panthers preview, it wouldn't surprise me if they kind of cakewalk it this year. I think the season goes one of two ways. They either absolutely go scorched earth effect revenge tour on the league and win more games last year, more games than last year if that's even possible. Or they're going to kind of cakewalk the season and maybe finish second in the division, but then go on a deep playoff run because they reserved themselves all year. Which, if you made me pick one of the two choices, I'd probably say they're going to reserve themselves. I still think they win the division even if they do that, but there's a chance they could come in second, and that's justifying my Panthers 7-1 to pick that I like a lot. Yeah. But, you know, this is really a make-or-break year for the Lightning. For sure. Um, moving on to a team that's got another make-or-break year coming their way, we have the Toronto Maple Leafs, third in this division last year, 3-1 to one to win it this year, 46 wins, 28 losses, 8 overtime losses, 100 points. Um, obviously, Mitch Marner is paid. We don't need to talk any more about that because we've had our ears talked off about that for the last, like, what, three and a half months. Kadri's out, Gardner's out, Tyson Berry, Alex Cook. Alex Kerfoot, Cody Cece are in. I think the Tyson Tyson Berry signing is very underrated. I think he's going to help them out so much down the road. Oh, 100%. And uh, just because, you know, we need to break it down, I'll go real quick. Marner did sign a six-year deal for $10.9 million AAV. Holy shit. Uh, 80% of his contract is going to be a bonus check that will be paid on July 1st oh of gosh. every calendar year. Don't spend it all in one place, bud. Yeah, good luck sleeping on June 30th, because yeah. holy shit, can you imagine waking up to like just like 20 mil in your oh bank account God. one day? Um, so yeah, the Maple Queefs <laughs> are, do not have a captain yet. We touched on that earlier. They should be assigning one soon. Off-season additions were Jason Spezza, Tyson Berry, Alex Kerfoot, and Cody Cece. Their losses. Let me hold my breath for this one. Nazem Kadri, Patrick Marlowe, Jake Gardner, Nikita Zaitsev, Ron Hainsey, Connor Brown, and Tyler Ennis. Holy shit. Congratulations. You were all kicked out to free up cap space. Exactly. So the Maple Leafs now have $40 million tied up into four players. Those four players are Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, John Tavares, and Will Nylander. Uh, they have three of the seven highest-paid players in the league. Uh, with their offseason addition of CeCe and Barry, they're essentially replacing their second unit of Nikita Zaitsev and Ron Hainsey, which to me is a great upgrade. That definitely bolsters their decor. And for me, the X factors this season, Zach Hyman, Andreas Janssen, and Kasperi Kapanen need to have big boy years. We know that their big four are going to produce. The question is, can they get the depth scoring in the playoffs? Uh, you know, like we just said with Tampa, two guys, Stamkos and Kucherov, can't carry the load. These four players cannot carry the entire team. Uh, I got news for you. Boston's going to have Carlo, Krug, McAvoy, and Chara all over the top four guys. So can you take advantage of that third defensive pair with those three guys I just listed? Yeah, and like you said, you know, Boston's got those guys, and my big question mark for this team is can they get past Boston in the playoffs because two years in a row they haven't been able to do that. I would be rooting like hell for the Panthers to just 
like yes. get in second or third, yeah. and then the Maple Leafs get second or third and play the Panthers in the first round. Because if they play Boston again, I gotta be completely honest. I think they're fucked. I agree. I mean, this is proven. I mean, I better than most fans out there know what it's like to have a team torment you in your sleep in the playoffs. <laughs> so I can, you know, empathize. Can't, can't relate. But you know, you got to find a way around it. Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to finish fourth in the division this year. I will get into my predictions of the entire division later, but I think they're not going to live up. It's hard to live up to that hype, man. I mean, it they, really is. Yeah. And, you know, especially when you go with the star power route, if things are going well, it's going to be great. And if things aren't going great, there's going to be a million and one question marks thrown at everyone, and especially because it's Toronto. Yeah, and here's the crazy part. Their goaltender is Freddie Anderson, and I would say he's the fifth best goalie in this division. That's insane. Yeah, that is insane. It's This division, he's I think— He's probably top three in most divisions. Yeah, I think this is probably the second tightest division in terms of the top four. Yes, I would completely agree. So, as far as the Maple Leafs go... Um, the bottom line is just push now. They have to push they now. They have to. Yeah. I think they'll be a wild card team. If they miss the playoffs, holy shit. If they miss the playoffs, you know... It's over. Blow it up. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, I, they'll be a playoff team. What they do in the playoffs, I'm not totally sure. I just... If they match up against the Bruins, I think they're dead. If they match up against the Lightning, I think they're dead. I, they're going to have to – the only way they will go in the playoffs is if they play the Panthers in the first round as the two and three seed or if they get a wild card spot and play a Metro team. I really don't think they can beat the Bruins. I agree. Um, so that wraps up our Atlantic Division preview. So if you had to give me your predictions for, you know, one through three in the division, uh, who are you taking? Uh I'm going to say the Lightning finish one. I'm going to say the Panthers finish two. I also like that bet at 7-1 to one to win the division. Like I said, Lightning could cakewalk or maybe get some injuries. Uh, I think the Bruins are three, and I'll just round it out. Leafs four, Sabres five, Canadians six, Senators seven, Red Wings eight. I actually do think the Senators will not finish last. That's my hot take. Interesting. One through three for me, I think I'm going to go Tampa one, I'm going to go Boston two, and then I'm going to go Florida three. So you got the Leafs at four as well? I have the Leafs at four as well. Okay. I think they're just going to, you know, hit a couple bumps this season. I don't want to jinx anyone getting hurt because obviously you want everyone to stay healthy. But I think it's going to take a little bit, you know, whether they have issues at the start and things just aren't clicking, I think there's going to be something there. I think they still make the playoffs, but maybe as a four. You like Panthers at 7-1? to one? I do like the Panthers at 7-1. to one. As you mentioned, I mean, you know, I agree with pretty much everything you said. It's tough because Tampa is – Loaded. Just so loaded and just so it's like I'd be an idiot to bet against this team. But we're going to bet against this team. It's 82 <laughs> games, and as we've learned in the past, you know, stats in the NHL mean absolutely nothing. So yeah. anything can happen. Well, that will wrap it up for our Atlantic Division preview. So to wrap up this episode, one of the things we want to do is preview some of the segments that we will be bringing to you guys over the course of this upcoming season. Uh, you want to get us started? Sure. Uh, yeah, we know that we've been doing the previews and the league updates, and we'll continue to the league updates. 
but we really want to try to incorporate the betting side of this podcast when the season gets rolling. I mean, we have to make money somehow, and I, I really don't feel <laughs> Until like I don't want to work for it. Us. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to work for it, so I think I'm just going to do this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the first segment idea we had is the hat trick segment. The hat trick segment will consist of us providing an over under pick, a puck line pick, and a money line pick. If you're not dumb, that's three choices, hence the Hattrick segment name. Uh, we'll be doing that once a week. We plan on doing the episode still once a week. That's potentially subject to change, maybe depending, but for right now we're sticking to once a week. The next segment idea is who's hot and who's not. So like I just said, we're going to be doing once a week. So if we're recording on a Monday, we're not going to know what the line is on the Saturday games. So what we want to do to try to – give our wonderful fans a good idea of a week-long gambling topic is we can give you the hots and the knots. Basically what that means is we will give you trends that we think are you know reliable. For instance, last season, the last 24 games of the Chicago Blackhawks season, they hit the over on 21 of those last 24 games. Thanks for the beer money, guys. Yeah, thanks, Kaner. Uh, so we want to incorporate that segment just so, you know, we, like I said, we can't figure out the odds for the entire week. So perhaps that will help you guys uh, make some money in the process and it'll keep things interesting for us. And the last segment that we are going to incorporate is first liner versus fourth liner. This is really intended for the fantasy hockey players or the FanDuel players. Essentially, the first liner is going to be someone that we think is on a hot streak and that you should pick up on either your FanDuel team or your fantasy hockey team. This will not be the obvious players like the McDavid's or the Crosby's. This will be someone who might be Erasmus Dahlin who's anchoring the power play, and it's going to be a trendy player that we think could help you in the short run. Uh, and then the fourth liner, that's going to be the studs who might be going through a cold streak or something of sorts, maybe if Claude Giroux is pointless, which I really fucking hope he is for Let's like hope so. 20 straight games, then obviously we'll put him on the fourth liner segment. Um, if you guys have any other suggestions or if you think we should modify those ideas, please let us know. Uh, you know, Hit up the Twitter, hit up the Instagram. We want to make this for you guys. We are going to try to be as creative as possible. Obviously, we're limited with how creative we can be. In September, um, you know, like I said, division previews have been a heavy segment. And that's important, but once the season gets rolling, we really want to get it to be fan interactive. So it would be great if you guys could provide us some feedback. Yeah, and going along with that, one of the you know other things we're going to do in the next episode to come is sort of talk a little bit more about how gambling and hockey works. So, you know, going back to what you said about the hat trick segment, if you're listening and you have no idea what a – puck line is or what a money line is we're going to be going into that a little bit in depth and we're going to try and corrupt you guys a little bit to get you to win and <laughs> lose some money just like we do listen at your own caution yeah exactly so this is dropping on september 17th tuesday we will be dropping the metro division preview on tuesday september 24th and then we plan on doing that intro to gambling. I guess that's what we'll call it for right now. The season opening episode, essentially. Yes. Tuesday, October 1st, the games start that week. The lines will be out. We will you know, give you our full rundown on how to gamble on hockey. Uh, it's, here's what I will say. Hockey, out of all the four major sports, 
you can make the most money by risking the least amount. Which so true. Is a complete you know. If you're a young guy like us, that's huge because we don't have a ton of money to drop for betting Tampa Bay versus Senators puck line or something crazy. So you'll want to listen to that if you're new to all this. And, man, I just can't wait till the season gets rolling. Exactly. It's starting to snowball. I'm getting excited. There's preseason hockey on tonight, and I got nothing else. How about you? Uh, yeah, like you said, snowballing. But Evgeny Kuznetsov snowballing. Yeah, in a different way, though. We don't, we don't <laughs> recommend that. Don't try that at home. Uh, but, yeah, thanks, guys, for listening. We will see you next week. Have a great week and great weekend. And as always, class dismissed.